You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 29 West Tolpahawken Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. So Marcel was talking this week about explaining to children what it means when you spoil your appetite. Uh, When you spoil your appetite, you eat something that takes the edge off your hunger, right? So it satisfies you in the moment. Some of you know the uh, delicious donuts, the apple fritters that I like to bring to meetings sometimes. They, even even just like a portion of one of those donuts, um, probably has enough sugar and fat to like cover a whole meal. They will spoil your appetite. It's not actually fuel for your body. It's not what you need to get you through the day, but it tastes so good and it curbs your hunger uh, so that you really don't want to eat like a well-balanced diet or a breakfast after that. So you lose your taste for what your body really needs to sustain you over the long run. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has a problem with this. Anybody else relate? Okay, thank you. I appreciate some acknowledgement. I won't call anybody out. Um, Anyway, this discussion then led to us talking about other ways that we do this, like how we satisfy our longings with things that don't actually sustain us in the long run. Uh, And one of the needs, we, we, we got to some of what we really long for. And one of the needs that we identified is that we really need connection. We're made for it. Uh, But we often turn to other things to curb our hunger for, for a time. We identified sleep, Netflix, scrolling through social media, our to-do lists um, are just some of the things that we go to that kind of take the edge off our or or numb us out from that need for connection. And these things can actually fuel our lack of connection, but they're comforting in the moment. A lack of connection leads to feelings of isolation, and that's not new, of course, uh, but it certainly seems to be on the rise in our country to epidemic levels, according to a survey that just came out this uh, past week by Cigna, Uh, They surveyed 10,000 adults, and more than three in five Americans are lonely, with more and more people reporting feeling that they feel like they're left out, um, poorly understood, or lacking companionship. And that was up 13, that was a 13% rise from when they first conducted that survey in 2018 alone. The UK in 2018 actually appointed a minister on loneliness. Do you guys know this? I know I've talked about it before. I don't remember if it was in a meeting. But yeah, it's not just the US. And there are some key key determinants for this um, that were identified. A lack of social support, um, infrequent, meaningful social interactions, negative feelings about one's personal relationships, and a lack of balance in daily activities, like too much or too little sleep, too much or too little work, those things. Um, Sometimes we are actually alone, and other times we just feel lonely. 
all throughout scripture, all of scripture, reinforces this truth that we are created for community. God created us not to be isolated beings, but, but people who live life with others. There's lots of neuroscience that back this up too. Plenty of other social sciences confirm this. We talk about community so much at Circle of Hope um, that it's tempting to think or to put our hope in community because we do long for it. Uh, but community will inevitably let you down. You probably know this. People don't know what you need. You will be hurt. Your needs will not be met. Uh, you might feel like you don't fit in, like everybody else might be getting something that you're not. Uh, and our emphasis on community can actually have the opposite effect if you're already struggling with feelings of isolation or a sense of being on the out. Um, it only reinforces that what everyone else has is eluding you somehow. And then for some people, it's the opposite. It's the other way around. Community is their way in. We, we have, like overall, it seems, a good reputation as Circle of Hope for being a community. So people connect with us and, and often feel included. Uh, they, they find their space for them to be who they are and where they are, to be loved and known. And so community actually creates an environment where faith can grow. Um, it's a lot easier to understand God's love and grace for us when we experience it in relationships in community. We heard some of this in the testimonies of people at the love feast yesterday. Um, there's Sophie and Robbie. Community is actually a great way to get in because it's uh, a practical, it, it meets this felt need for people. One of our covenant members that was talking about this yesterday um, when he got baptized. There's a picture of the whole room. Um, Mark got baptized. There he is being baptized by Rachel. And he said, he told us how he had lost his way in his faith um, like a number of times throughout his life. But he found it again with us. Uh, after Rachel and Jeff Sensenig moved into the house next to him and became his neighbors, uh, some of his disillusionment could melt away, and, and he had hope that this is real, and it could be lived out in a real way with other people. But regardless of your, regardless of your experience, um, community isn't enough. It's, it's not the destination for faith. It's not the fulfillment of our deepest longings. We're still made for more. And for a couple weeks here in this meeting, we're talking specifically about what it means to live as the new creation in Christ. And tonight, I want to say that being a community is part of that. As a church, we are called into living a life together and building something together so that our existence witnesses to the world of Jesus' reign and rule. We display through this community 
what it looks like to follow Jesus and to live as a new creation. We're both announcing it and demonstrating it together. And community alone, but community alone does not accomplish that. Um, there are lots of other successful communities, for example. You could probably name some. Actually, why don't you? Name, name some, um, some place that people are finding community, not in the church. Yep, sports. Yep, activism. <clears throat> CrossFit. I guess that's the closest. Yeah, there's lots of examples, right? So people are looking for connection all the time and, and are finding meaningful expressions for that, of that. Um, in fact, sometimes other places seem better at community than we are. Uh, there are more diverse groups than we are. Uh, there are, you might find less conflict somewhere else. There are other groups that accomplish great good for the sake of others. So what is it we're doing here again? Like how, how do we get to revealing the new creation? We, we are made for connection, but there are powerful forces of disorder and division and isolation at work in us and around us. And Jesus took on death with all the darkness and the chaos of sin in order to raise up a new order of the kingdom of God's love. He is redeeming and liberating us from the old order of things. The, the rule of those forces was overthrown, and a new kingdom is here, but it must be revealed. We are not just a regular group of people trying to get along with each other. The, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, is binding us together, and, and the rule of God's love brings power and courage that's not from ourselves. It is from God. And I, I hope that we can get there tonight. Uh, we're, we're moving from community to communion with God. Communion with God is the source of our life together. Nothing else is strong enough. Our love, our ideas, our ideals, even our best intentions. We cannot be for each other everything that we need. That's an unrealistic expectation to put on ourselves and each other. We have to rely on God. Living as the new creation is about being restored to the fullness of life that God intends for us and the whole created order. And communion with God was the original state of things. So if we, start, if, if we can start with communion with God, we're safe to admit that we aren't so good at this. We have broken and distorted views of ourselves and each other that keep us from living in the fullness of connection and the wholeness that we are made for. But we aren't just doing this on our own. 
We are relying on the G Jesus who chooses the church to continue to reveal the kingdom until it's fully made known. We are chosen by God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and now gives us the ministry of reconciliation. God is reconciling the world to himself in Jesus, and we are called to participate in that mission. The Lat in Latin, the word for reconciliation has this relational sense, like to bring together again, or to connect otherwise disconnected people or ideas. And Christ reconciled us with God through himself. He did the work needed to make communion with God possible once and for all. It's, it is ultimately that communion with God that holds our, us together in community. It's not our own capacity to love or our preferences or our niceness or our needs being met. 2 Corinthians 5 brings us back to this. I'm going to keep talking about this passage every week. And Christ died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Understanding how to live for Christ is, is an ongoing process. We're, we're always working out what that means. And this working out of our faith is, is a transformational process. It doesn't happen like in an instant. When Paul says, the old is new, excuse me, the old is gone, the new is here, he's proclaiming the truth that we, of who we have become in Christ, but we still have agency to live that out or not. We still make choices to reveal the kingdom, the new creation or to allow the old self to rule us. But where Christ rules, a new order is revealed. And those who were baptized yesterday were proclaiming it with their bodies. They were acting it out, the, the, that Christ's love compels them to die with Christ to what is old and be raised up again to new life. And even making a covenant with Circle of Hope is an expression of having a character devoted to realizing that self-giving love and mutuality. And that mutuality is not dependent on constant manufacturing of connection. Though we do do a lot to stay together and to be connected. It's based on the character of God who gave everything to make communion with God possible. It's communion with God that fuels our community. Because communion with God is based in forgiveness. Experiencing that forgiveness through the grace of God enables us to endure conflict and work to reconcile, to, to ask question, hard questions of ourselves, to confess, through, <clears throat> through healthy conflict, we're able to be refined as a community that comes into its fullness. It's hard won. It's not, it's not like being an affinity group 
or a caucus or having shared hobbies or shared culture. Something else is happening. It is supernatural. It's, it's movemental and it's self-sacrificial versus preferential. Dr. King called this the beloved community. For Dr. King, the beloved community was not this lofty idea of uh, the peaceable kingdom in utopia where lions and lambs lay down together. To him, it was this achievable, realistic goal that could be attained when a critical mass of people committed to and trained in the philosophy and methods of nonviolence. He recognized that conflict was an inevitable part of human experience, interpersonal and group and international. But he believed that conflicts could be resolved peaceably, peacefully, and that adversaries could be reconciled through a mutual determined commitment to nonviolence. The purpose of nonviolence was the creation of the, new, of the beloved community. And it takes active resistance to evil. It's aggressive, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. It means confronting the three evils of poverty, racism, militarism. Those are all interwoven realities in our society. Uh, being anti-racist is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Working for peace is at the heart of what it means to follow the Prince of Peace. When we read the Bible, we see a story of a God who liberates the oppressed over and over again. Jesus is constantly crossing ethnic and cultural divisions to heal and to liberate and to reconcile. And unless we're participating in demanding justice, not just peace, then we're not living out who, call, who God calls us to be. And if we feel the pain of oppression, which you can't help but experience in this life, uh, and we do nothing, then we are closing ourselves off from the fullness of the new creation and failing to reveal it. Some of this work we do is outward facing, of course, but much of this work, specifically for anti-racism work, begins within. Michelle Alexander says that racism is not simply a legal problem or a political problem or a policy problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem because it asks individually and collectively who we are, who we aim to become, and what we're willing to do right now. We might be tempted to rush into, to rush the relational process of reconciliation uh, into programs or strategy or activism, all of which can bring about important political change. But it also can be a distraction from the heavy lifting of genuine relationship, both with ourselves and other people. We, we moved this congregation to a predominantly black neighborhood in Germantown. And we have to keep talking about how to be anti-racist. 
those of us who are white are going to have to own how our whiteness has shaped us, the, the privileges that it affords us, not to feel guilty about it. Because white guilt only leads, only fuels our fragility and our inability to have a dialogue and affect any change that's necessary to be the new humanity. All of us together need to have a vision for it and a commitment to this slow and messy, vulnerable work of reconciliation as we try to live this imperfect and imperfect life together. Because reconciliation doesn't come quickly. The word implies that two parties were once connected. So what hope do we have in communities where the story of togetherness began with the oppression of one group of another? by another. We have to go back to communion with God. The original state of things is humanity's oneness with God and the whole of creation. Being reconciled people who are now ministers of reconciliation is only possible through Jesus. We have to keep coming to Jesus in order to face ourselves and each other. To do his reconciling work, Jesus moved into the neighborhood to be a physical presence that could relate and demonstrate and proclaim the kingdom of God. And we moved the congregation into Germantown. Becoming renters here, or roommates really, actually, here in this building, is a step into the messy, slow relational work we are building a relationship with uh, Sheila, the office manager who is here in the front office. Uh, she loves to greet all of the children who come in for playgroup on Fridays. We're building a relationship with Christ Church in St. Michael's who we're renting from and with Pastor Alfred Duncan of the Schwenkfelter Missionary Church who also meets here on Sunday mornings. I have told them repeatedly that we are blessed to have our needs met by their congregation that has the resource of this building. And we bless them by filling it. Our children fill the whole second floor, which has been vacant for years. Uh, their long history on this block and um, their stories of struggle and joys are, are rooted in this building and in this community. Because my office is here and I am here every day, I get to hear some of those stories about, uh, some of their stories, excuse me, and uh, share our vacuum when there's breaks and pick up the mail when it gets scattered on the floor uh, and strategize how to address the needs of this old building. Our posture, I just want you to know that our posture of humility goes a long way to building this relationship. We don't come in here, we didn't come in here making a lot of demands, though we have a lot of hopes for this space. We came in with a willingness to make it work and we have a huge team of people, over 40 people, that help to make this building work for our Sunday meetings every week. Even, even when the heat or the air conditioning don't work. 
uh, our intentionality here, the, the way that we set up our space and stack the chairs neatly and pack our things away in the basement, all communicate respect and gratitude. I want you to know that. The ways that we teach our children to behave in this space and on the property outside communicates respect to the neighbors. Christ Church and St. Michael's has been relating on this block for decades. And, and we are the new people here in this building, um, even, if, even if you live close by. Um, we draw a lot of attention in this building. So how we conduct ourselves and respect the requests that they have of us go a long way to building trust and mutuality. Anyway, the challenges of being the new humanity become very evident every time we engage in this ambitious work of reconciliation. Our own stuff gets stirred up. The sin of racism in America is a spiritual problem that will not be solved without the kind of hope and imagination and fiercely honest community that's found in Christ. For the sake of Jesus, we build community where we can ask hard questions and dialogue. Our cells and our Sunday meetings are flexible and organic so that we can stretch and flex um, and stretch beyond what's familiar to cross barriers to love like Christ. But that takes a lot of intentionality, a reordering of our lives. Who we know and who we talk to matters. You know this. Uh, we probably need to keep changing to do it, too. How we sing, what we sing, like Aaron said at the beginning. Uh, when our musicians learn a song in a style that's not comfortable for them or a language that's not their first language, uh, it's to orient our hearts towards God's larger family. So in our meeting, we're working out how to be both a safe place to be oneself in Christ and a challenging place to be more than oneself, the new humanity. My cell was noting the challenges of this as we were talking this week. Uh, it's challenging to try to be transcultural. It takes work and creativity and an attitude of humility to keep trying and take risks. But communion with God through Christ gives us the safety to do that. It gives us our purpose and our common mission, the ministry of reconciliation. So we're, let's start there, like every day. And we have the opportunity to share communion tonight and to worship together uh, to even express yourself in ways that are beyond what is normally comfortable for you. As we, as we move into this together, um, we do so conscious of our need to keep coming back to God, asking Jesus to help us, give us the courage and the humility and the creativity needed to stay at it. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. 
you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at sirgolfhope.net.